Hey guys, this is Andy, and welcome to Shut the Door. In today's episode, we talk about the controversy surrounding the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, John McCain's death, and all kinds of random but somehow related topics. So come on in, shut the door, and join the conversation. Okay, shut the door. when Merrick Garland was nominated by Obama and (laughs) when the Republicans refused to have a hearing on it and they would not like this was like when I think Obama had like a year left or I think a year and change left in his in his presidency and the Republicans refused to even meet with the man they were like no 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 And I did, I'm going to be boring for a moment. I pulled up a statement that Chuck Grassley, he is the, um, he's like the head of the the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. And this is something he wrote about um, Merrick Garland or about the nomination of Merrick Garland back in uh, 2016. He wrote... A lifetime appointment that could dramatically impact individual freedoms and change the direction of the court for at least a generation is too important to get bogged down in politics. The American people shouldn't be denied a voice. Do we want a court that interprets the law or do we want a court that has that acts as an unelected super legislature? This year, a tremendous opportunity for our country to have a sincere and honest debate about the role of the Supreme Court in our constitutional system of government. So, is this when Antonin Scalia passed away? Yeah. And they were looking to, before, I mean, he passed away, and they were looking to fill his spot. Mm-hmm. And President Obama had uh, quite a bit of time left in office, but they were not trying, they did not think it was fair for an outgoing president to have elections or hearings rather on a justice that would be serving for the rest of his or her life. Right. Which is, you know, I could almost understand that if it was like the new, the incoming president had just been elected and they're they're in the transitionary phase, maybe at that point. But when you have a year left in your term, like that is the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. And it was such a spectacle. And... Um, then we got President Trump and then he got, (laughs) um, Gorsuch in there. So whatever, that was something I think that the Democrats stood up and they fought for. Right. And they were like, no, we're not doing this. I think they didn't even attend the hearings. They really like pushed back. Obviously it didn't help. Right. We're the minority. Right. They're the minority. We're the minority. We are the majority. We are the majority. We are just not mobilized, as we've discussed before. Okay. Yeah. But while I may agree with that, being a majority of an immobilized people means absolutely nothing. You That's know? A good point. So, I mean... That's a good point. The hearing is conducted by the Senate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's really supposed to be a representation for the people to get a, a good idea of who this candidate 
is. Yes. So on some level, while it is not we, it is we, right? Like it is for we, the people. Yes. But let me ask you this. Okay. Have you ever paid attention? What? What? Have you ever paid attention to a Supreme Court nomination in your life? I can tell you, granted, I probably only became somewhat interested in politics about eight, I think, when Obama was elected the first term. That's when I got really excited. And then, like, we get to, you know, 2016, and all of a sudden... Donald Trump is nominated for president. Right. And now we all got to sit up. I cannot stop thinking about it. I can't stop paying attention to what's going on. So when, and this was obviously before Trump was elected, but when when Obama tried to get uh, Merrick Garland in and how... You know, they the, the Republicans, they just play dirty. They play dirty all the time. And... And then the Republicans, you know, Michelle Obama always said, when they go low, we go high. That doesn't work. Yeah. Because the reason the Republicans win is because they play dirty. Can I be fair, though? We're not angels. We are not. But we don't play like like they do. You know why they win? It's because they know how to work the system. You know why Donald Trump, you know why Donald Trump won? Because he knows how to play the people. He knows what to say. And for whatever reason, his base believes him over every other sure. every other person sure. that they ever believed in in the past. Like, I am amazed at how, like, you know, people used to love Jim Comey, right? He mm-hmm. was amazing, especially when he announced that Hillary Clinton's emails were getting investigated again. Right. And then all of a sudden, Trump finds out that he's being, um, or that he's not going to let the Michael Flynn situation go or whatever. And then all of a sudden, he's upset, so he fires Jim Comey. So now all of a sudden, Jim Comey, who was the saint to Donald Trump and his base, is now a piece of garbage. I mean, that's not... I mean, I hear you. Slightly old news, It is old news. It happens... It's it's happened with everyone that has left the White House. That is just what... Everyone's a great person. Everyone's the best person until they leave. So, I mean... It's almost how many of the best people turn to trash though. Like at, at, clearly at what all point, of them. At what point clearly do, all do you start thinking? Maybe you know it's like you know you do the same thing. What is it? The definition of insanity is doing the, the same, same thing, thing over and over again, yeah. expecting a different result. You're right, exactly. right. He is doing the same thing over and over again. I see, but, and that's why I struggle sometimes when people are trying to make sense of Donald Trump. Hillary <laughs> said. A basket of deplorables. Half of his supporters are a basket of deplorables, which I kind of, I agree with. I'm just saying, I think at some point, um, whether we like it or not, in my opinion, and I don't want to get too far off into a tangent, he's going to be a president for the next two years. In my opinion, I could be so wrong. At least. Okay. I'm just I saying. Mean, yeah, the 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 likelihood of an impeachment, I think, is it's low, very low, unfortunately. Right. So I think right now, instead of being distracted by all the small things and and losing our focus, there's a, we have to recenter ourselves, decide what's important, and strategize for. The 2020 elections. Exactly. And just like, you know, we talked about um, last week 
when, you know, I'm kind of getting off of what we were going to talk know. about, but this is so interesting. Last week we had talked about how um, after John McCain died and then all of a sudden Donald Trump was talking about the Google Exactly. Uh, whatever. That Google is skewing against him. Right. So everything he does is a distraction tactic. And you exactly. know what? It works every time with the media, with us. But only because we allow it, though. Yeah, but we need to stop, like you said. Like I we agree. need to focus because the reality is he is. He is working hard at distracting us, and he does a fantastic job of it. The truth is, if he is does he good, if he does anything good, that is it. I agree. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is like I'm not even sure he works that hard because we are looking and waiting for anything. So, like, I hear you, and I want to get back on topic. I hear you, but like, we play a hand in that. We play a hand into feeding into his rhetoric. And you and I have talked about this a number of times. If you feed a bully, they will only continue to bully. Yeah. If you starve a bully, he will die. But we just keep feeding. So, I mean, anyway, we're so far off topic. Get us back on set. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, the um, new nominee for Supreme Court Justice is Brett Kavanaugh. And he's an interesting fellow because he apparently has a um, long history of supporting very uh, conservative um, ideals. And one of the things that's most interesting about him is that he believes that a president should not be investigated. He's basically immune from Any the law. Time, right. He's above, above the, the law. law. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's uh, something that Cory Booker had said was that, you know, he chose Kavanaugh because he knew. Yeah. And it was it was perfectly timed. And I read something right after Kavanaugh was um nominated that and I don't remember where I read it, so I don't even know if it was a good source, but that Donald Trump had negotiated with Kennedy, Justice Kennedy, yeah. To um to retire. Really? And, yeah. And I... And then he went ahead and nominated Kavanaugh. And it sounds like it was perfectly, you know, like our our Supreme Court was already like, um, you know, it's pretty even as far as like. Kennedy way- was, Kennedy, the role he played on the su- Supreme Court was the role of, um, he was the deciding vote. Yeah, he was More usually a swing vote. Yeah, yeah, he was, he did not lean incredibly left or incredibly right mm-hmm. um so while it was balanced it was balanced with his swing yeah however now i think we're going to be it will be tilted, heavily leaning yeah towards yeah. the right exactly and that's scary because this is a lifetime appointment you it's know a there's a lot of things that can be changed and it can set us back a lot of years right and that's if we're terrifying. not careful you know, um, and that's why, you know, in the Kavanaugh hearing this week, you would hear these women in the background. The hysterical women? I believe it was Ben Sass who called women who were protesting hysterical, which I've never appreciated for protesting and making their voices heard. And Kamala Harris really put it well when she was on MSNBC. She she made note of the fact that this gentleman was trying to, was using very choice words 
when speaking about these women, calling them hysterical, because it does have a certain connotation associated with it. Mm -hmm. That they're either not in their right mind or acting crazy without cause. Right. So anyhow. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny you bring up Ben Sass because I watched his um his opening statement at the hearing. And he got in my head a little bit. He started yeah. making me question myself. And I thought, maybe I'm being a little melodramatic. But he was just basically talking about how the um, that the Senate isn't willing to do their jobs. That there's a lot of people who are in those positions and that they are sitting there just wanting to get reelected instead of doing the job that they believe in and fighting for what they want, what they believe in and then getting reelected. Instead, these people will sit back, kind of just coast. Yeah. Be likable, whatever, not do their jobs and get reelected. But they're not doing anything mm-hmm. because the more you speak out, the more controversial you are. Right. Right. Um, the, the more likely you are to have people hate you. Right. So he said that, and I was like, wow, that that really is true, because there are so many people, so many of our elected officials who are just coasting. They're just doing whatever they have to do. They make so much money doing whatever it is that they do. Do they? They. I'd be interested to know how much a senator makes, because I believe the intention is that you're not supposed to be profiting off of government, which is why the president, I think his salary is something like, $400,000 $400,000 a year? Right. So so they may not be super rich, but they make probably... They make connections. They make close to $200,000 a year, it looks like. In addition, they get paid by lobbyists. Sure. And that's and that's right. So they make a ton of money on special interests. Right. That is Democrats and Republicans right. alike. That is right. nothing that, you know, you can, like, push to one side, which is also an issue I won't get into. <laughs> but, um... Anyway, so Sass sort of, Ben Sass made me, he kind of made me sit back and think for a bit. But then, you know, he was talking about the spectacle and the, um, the the craziness that's surrounding this Supreme Court nominee. But the reality is there's a spectacle because of the spectacle that has been made. Sure. It's not because all of a sudden people were like, no, I don't like this guy. He's, you know, he's too conservative. He's going to lead the court in a more conservative way. Direction. He's going to change right. a lot of our um, our laws. Um, it's because the reason that he was picked. So he could actually change laws. I thought the intention was that judges more interpret the law and therefore set precedents. But there is a possibility that he could overturn laws that have already been ruled on. Correct. So, for instance, um, women used to not have the right to choose. Right. Um, the, it, a, a case went to the Supreme Court. Roe versus and, and it was determined that women could then now have the right, right to choose. Right. So, they, the precedent was that women could not right. have an abortion. Right. The Supreme Court said, no, women can have an abortion. Just like um, uh, marriage equality, that went to the Supreme Court. And the right. Supreme Court said... No, we will recognize gay marriage. Right. So that does change the law. It's when I guess what so I'm saying what, is like what, so on something that's already been ruled on, they can re they can reopen. If he does, if he thinks that um, Roe versus Wade is unconstitutional, 
he could say, no, I'm going to overturn that. I mean, not by himself, so, but he could obviously start the conversation. If the majority of the Supreme Court could, yeah. And this, so that's why the women were there, right? Correct. They yeah. were there because they wanted to ensure that their voices were heard in case something like that could happen where they would overturn a ruling like Roe versus Wade. Right. Or among other things. But that, I think, is a huge one for women because that's a huge one for women. Yeah. But as far as the hearing, like the actual meat of it, I thought I I, I, I really had an issue with the fact that the Democrats showed up in the first place. I don't believe they did that when Gorsuch was nominated. They really fought hard. Granted, it doesn't matter. But this is why the Republicans are so successful. It's mm-hmm. because they make things a big deal. Right. When the Democrats are like, well, we've got to go fight them. We're going to go. We're going to show up to this hearing and respectfully say, I'd like to postpone. I'd like to postpone. Can we adjourn and have a a, um, a, a meeting? I can't remember what they call it. Right. But- so what happened was, is they got a lot of documents to go. They got 42,000 pages of documents only 15 hours before the hearing, right. which no human could possibly go through and research and dive into. So they were asking to postpone the hearing so that they would have the ability to review them and get a better understanding of what was in them and then be able to obviously speak to them or question them. Right. Yeah. And that's the whole thing that, that drives me crazy is because the Republicans wouldn't even consider Merrick Garland back when Obama uh, nominated him and they refused to meet with him. And then this time with this, with Kavanaugh, they're like, here's all these documents right now. And by the way, we're meeting in 15 15 hours. hours. You better be ready. And they won't even consider postponing it. They won't even entertain it. And some of the things that like, I noticed some uh, mannerisms when I was watching the the uh, beginning of the hearing, when it just started, and um, I like Senator Blumenthal, I he constantly interrupted and said, "I want to adjourn. I want to adjourn." Cory Booker spoke up. Kamala Harris spoke up. Right. Um, and they just kept kept coming with it. Right. And I liked that, but the reality was is nobody was listening, and I could see. Um, Grassley sitting there like with this look like you guys like he was actually pretty civil with them so I was impressed by that besides and not to mention he's about 900 years old (laughs) like so anyway he's just sitting there like "Uh uh-huh 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 motion denied or this is not the forum to submit a motion whatever but then Grassley he's the chairman okay of the committee yeah so he's like moderating the whole yeah okay and so, um, and then uh, Kennedy, um, he's from Louisiana. I didn't know who he was. I had to look him up, but I, I recognize his name. But Grassley was sitting there totally not even engaged when the Democrats were saying, we want to postpone, we want to postpone, we want to adjourn so that we can talk about postponing. He wouldn't entertain any of it. And then all of a sudden, Kennedy... Um, the senator from Louisiana. The, yeah. He was like, may I ask a question, Mr. Chairman? So what are the rules of this hearing? And he was acting like, you ever have you ever been in like a meeting and you know somebody who's in the meeting knows exactly what's well, yeah. going on, but they ask these uh, probing questions to, to 
to like get validation. Exactly. And he was doing that. And I was just like, shut the hell up. Like he was so obnoxious right. to me. And and Grass Senator Grassley was like, you know, I know you're new to this to this committee, and you know, these are very good questions, and typically the blah blah blah. And he was just it was so disgusting. Right. Like it just I don't know, made me want to throw up. So I didn't I, I didn't like how engaged he was with this guy, but he wouldn't even look because he wouldn't look at he, the Democrats. He wouldn't even look at them. But as soon as Kennedy was like, "Excuse me, Mr. Chairman," he's like, "Yes, Kennedy, Mr. Right. Senator Kennedy." Right. You know, he was like, "Yeah, hmm, yeah," and it's so gross. I don't know, but I know that the Democrats are like that too. But it's just frustrating because the Republicans are constantly like, um, they play dirty. I know the Democrats aren't. Um, you know, angels, like right, you said, right. but, but they need to figure out how to play this same game and they are not good at it. I'm, you know why though? Well, I don't know if this is true, but I think there's, I wonder if the reason why they don't have the same level of, I don't want to say grit, but the same level of slimy ways is because the people that they represent aren't just wouldn't stand for that. I just wonder, you know, it, it, I don't. I think I, a lot of people are frustrated that the Democrats aren't fighting harder. Okay. And I mean, I may be wrong. I don't know. I may be the minority of of my party. If the Democrats start being as conniving as the Republicans, would you be okay with that? I'm not saying conniving. I just want them to play the same game. Sure. You know, you're but never going to win if your opponent though. is. Exactly. So why don't we make our own rules? That's the thing is, you know, we're always playing to their rules. Right. We need to make our own rules. Right. We need to fight like we want it. And we don't fight like we want it. You know, we don't. Do you think there's the same level of um, tenure? Like, for instance, some of the Republican senators look like they've been there a while. A solid forever. Mm -hmm. Where the Democrats, the Democratic senators, a lot of them are younger with, you know, these new, uh, very fresh um, ideas. And I'm just wondering, you know, if you're brand new to the game, how can you have the same historical experience as those who have been playing it for ever and ever. I feel like if you're younger, you've got more, more you've got more, more spirit, but you yeah. don't have, you don't necessarily have, you don't know where the holes are. You right. don't know where you, you don't know where the loopholes are. You don't know how to, you don't have the same connections. Yeah. I mean, that's half of the game. I would assume is that's the connections, point. right? So I don't know this for a fact. I just, when I look, <laughs> all you have to do is take a quick glance of the people who are sitting up there, and it's, <laughs> yeah. seriously, I know it's quite evident who was who, and so I'm just wondering if that if that's a factor in it because they, I mean, this is an old song to them. They know this in and out. They know which buttons to press. We're still reading the manual. Yeah, but we have some old ones. We do have some. So old these ones. old ones should know how the game is played. They should be sure. educating these young sure. incoming senators, these people who are new to the committee or whatever. I think that these old people are tired. 
I think these old people a need to go ahead and retire. The good fight. Yeah. Do you know? And I, I when I when I say the good fight, I mean literally the good fight. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So I I you might you might be onto that that our seasoned people are tired, mm-hmm. whereas the 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 Republicans are fueled by hate and, <laughs> <laughs> and spite. <laughs> No, I, I mean, well, I do believe that with some of them, not maybe all of them. No. Um, I, I was, like I said, intrigued by Ben Sass. Like yeah. he definitely, like he's somebody that kind of caught me off guard a bit. So, so why... I kind of want to read up on him just because I don't know, I don't know anything about this guy, but mm-hmm. he, 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 he sparked your interest. He did. He did. So I am certain that I do not agree with any of his policies. Right. I feel very confident of that. Right. But I'm curious enough to look at this point. Right. So, right. you know, and you and I have discussed too. We do kind of want to I want to see what's on the other side. Yeah. You are ill-equipped if you think being armed with only half of the information is going to get you across the line. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I mean in anything in life. That's true. I, I don't know why politics would be any different. And I am not okay with groupthink. You know, it, I am not, I don't believe that everybody on the right is aligned with Trump because they're not. Yeah, so can we talk about that for a second? There are some Republicans that have thoughts that I align with. Not every, I don't necessarily agree with them on everything, but as every so often when I peek out the curtain to see what they're doing, I hear something, I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that touched me um, was Megan McCain. The eulogy she did for her father was just beautiful. Um, now, I want to be fair, full disclosure. I watched The View. <laughs> Megan McCain is on the view. And I know I've come to you from time to time and I've been like, Megan's got to cool it down. She's mm-hmm. just, I mean, she's always sitting on ready. Yes. But I peeked out the curtain and she was talking some good stuff. Yeah. So here's what she said. I mean, she said a lot of great things, but this is what resonated with me um, with her father, her eulogy for her father. She said, The America of John McCain is generous and welcoming and bold. She is resourceful, confident, secure. She meets her responsibilities. She speaks quietly because she is strong. America does not boast because she has no need to. The America of John McCain has no need to be made great again because America was always great. I have chills. I know, I do too. I do too. I was sitting there. And I've, I've watched that part of that video. I didn't see her whole thing, but I did watch that part. And my, very moving. Very. But my favorite part was when she was done, she's like, she like slammed the paper. And, and was she like, like deaded the whole yeah. audience. I was like, yes. She like just looked out. And I, let me tell you, for a small second, I wish that John McCain was like, Trump, come on over. Be a part of my... Oh, that would have been so oh, amazing. In his face? Yes. In his face. Yeah. So when I peeked out the curtain that day to see what this Republican had to say, I said, yeah, girl, yeah. I hear you. I agree with you there. I, I don't really care for her, 
but um, she gets a little too worked yeah, up for yeah, me. Yeah. I mean, we, we get I'll worked do. up too. I mean, but yeah. like when you're on a TV show. Hold on. Know, you know, to be but, fair to her, can I, can we, okay. <laughs> can I just be fair to her a little bit? And I know I've, I've said what I've said in the past, but she is a man on an island on that show. She is. Uh, she made that choice, but she's a man out of, I think it's five women all together. I think it's either four or five. I believe it's five women all together. She's outnumbered. Either way you cut it, she's outnumbered. So I think sometimes she's fighting a battle all by herself. Yeah. And so I can understand how she um, she has to energize herself to not be tireless. But yeah, she sits on ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10, 10, 10, all the way. Yeah. So. But I, I thought that was beautiful. I just think the her entire eulogy to her father was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just from a daughter to her father, just on that level. Yeah. Beautiful. But also this little excerpt that I read, man, it just touched my spirit. Yeah. I've seen that clip many times. It has been played over and over again. And what's interesting is that I am a strong Democrat. Mm-hmm. But... I remember some things about John McCain that I liked. And I remember one particular instance. This was um, early on in the Trump administration when um, I don't remember even what happened because so much happens. But John McCain went on Meet the Press Uh with Chuck Todd on the Sunday morning show. And I was watching it. And he um, said something about... If we're not careful, this type of action, this type of behavior could lead to a dictatorship. And I was like, wow, this guy is honest. He he calls it like he sees it. it. And then he said, oh, it was about um, Donald Trump attacking the press. He said, even if you are the enemy, he's like, and I don't like you either. So he, something, I'm butchering what he said, but he basically was like, if we're not careful, we're going to create a dictatorship because of the, you know, there should be a free press. He's like, and I don't like you. I had like serious respect for him in that moment. And then I think the next week he did something. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) This guy, like, and it was weird because I remember saying to my husband that day, I was like, I like John McCain. He's like, well, just wait. Okay, <laughs> because listen. it's always like this. But, that's why he's called. That's why he was called the Maverick, though. Right. right. But he was aligned, at least within himself. He was aligned with what he felt was right for the country, and that's it. That's it. Yes. So I have two John McCain um, highlight moments that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. He obviously he's passed away at this point. He was diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer and he had surgery but he found the strength to come back on the floor and vote no yes. <laughs> on the health care yes bill. that was amazing and, and i, I remember watching him like thumb down yeah and uh and uh right Ricardo, after everyone Rich mcconnell's and, like hmm. and that was right after the entire room had just like applauded his return <laughs> class act class yeah. act but my favorite McCain memory, he was an auto. He was. This is when he was on the campaign trail when he was up against Obama for a presidency. Mm, I know what you're gonna. And he was at a town hall, and there was a woman who was in the audience of the town hall who said, "I don't like," and I'm paraphrasing here, "I don't like that Obama guy. 
He's a Muslim. He's an Arab. An she Arab. Said. She said yeah. an Arab. Mm-hmm. She, he's an Arab. McCain grabbed the mic from him and said, yes. no, ma'am. No, ma'am. He is a family man. We may not agree on everything, but he's an American just like me. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I still voted for Obama, but I was like, oh, Well, dang. that doesn't mean you want him to be your president, but right. it just shows he's that a he's a respectable act. person. He's a class act. And that reminds me of when they had the um, the state dinner, I think it's called, before the election. I think they do that before every uh-huh. election, and they kind of rib each other. And he, McCain was saying, I don't want it to leave the room, but this guy's a really respectable man. He's like, I don't, um, he said, I don't wish him luck, but I wish him the best, or I That's wish awesome. him well, or right. something like that. And I was like, you know, what, what happened to just common decency? Because... He had it. And that wasn't that long ago. No, but like, and now, I think it's evident. That, so apparently he orchestrated every move of his uh, funeral service. And he had isn't his that amazing? I, I think that's a lot, of, a lot of courage. I don't know that I would have that within myself while I'm facing death oh, head on. That messed me think, up just mm-hmm. thinking about it. Yeah. But he had his two political opponents. He had George Bush... And Barack Obama eulogize him. Yeah. You know, I always say, you can know how good a person is by how their children speak about them. I really do feel that. Because, and not necessarily in, you know, I know Meghan McCain is a very public figure. And, you know, there might be a tendency to save face. But you can tell she had such a love for her father mm-hmm. and that their relationship was so good and that he was a man that she found honorable. Yeah. And I just think, I think, I think it's beautiful. And I think it's a testament that this man, after he's passed away, that people from both sides of the aisle have very fond things to say about him. Yeah. They said he was not a man to be crossed. And I believe that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I also believe that the people he interacted with knew he was act- interacting with them fairly. Anyway. Supreme Court what? 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 <laughs> Are we talking about something? <laughs> well, all I'll say, call your senators. Who's ours in Florida? Ours are um, Marco Rubio. Yay. He needs a glass of water. Somebody (laughs) get a glass of water. He is thirsty. Yes. And Bill Nelson. Bill Nelson is a Democrat. Okay. And Marco Rubio is obviously a Republican. I did call him, asked him to oppose Betsy DeVos. Yes. For the um, education. Yeah. But... uh, Obviously, that didn't work. I'm not so sure how they measure how many phone calls they get and what what the messages are or even if they care. Mm-hmm. Because I think once you're an incumbent, I think it's hard to get out. Sure. Although I think Bill Nelson may You don't think he's going to hold his seat? Against Rick Scott. Rick Scott's a well-known name, and you know the. I think the Spanish community really likes him because he can speak Spanish, yeah. but he really does not have the best interest of the people at heart. Yeah, and we can talk about that on another episode because I'm sure we could talk about that for a long time, yeah. which I would actually like to do. Okay, because if anybody's listening in Florida, I think it would be good to kind of 
talk about some Prepping of those things. for the November. And, you know, hopefully it can be in a not-so-boring way because <laughs> politics, unless you're really passionate about it, can be boring. Right. right. But I feel like all of us should be passionate about it right now because there is a lot at stake right now. Yeah. Our no matter what stake. side you're on, mm-hmm. I think, but um, especially on our side. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining the conversation. We're your hosts, Andy Anderson and Naya Tang. If you like this episode, please follow and like us on Facebook at Shut the Door Podcast. Join us next week for another episode of Shut the Door.